Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast in which some of the best and brightest in the world of comedy talk about their experiences, challenges and triumphs. I'm your host, Mark Decano, a man who's spent decades enjoying live comedy. And what I don't know about comedy, well, I'm sure we'll find out. I love talking to people in comedy about comedy. And if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. There are few people in and around the world of comedy as much as today's guest who aren't themselves comedians, but with 30 years dedicated to the inception and leadership of Europe's largest comedy festival, he's more qualified to talk about comedy than most. Is comedy champion and erstwhile director of the Leicester Comedy Festival, Jeff Rowe. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. Hello. So if you're happy, we'll crack on. Yeah. So before we get into the uh, the detail of the Leicester Comedy Festival um, and its birth, where was comedy when you were growing up? Was it part of your life? Not really. Uh, no. I mean, I don't... I remember watching... Um, I always get it the wrong way around. Either Friday Night Live or Saturday Night Live. The thing with Ben Elton. Um, yes. So it was Saturday week. Night Live in America, Friday, oh, Friday Night, Night Live Night here, Night. and then they that's changed right. it to Saturday. So that's right. That's yeah. right. So it was Friday Night Live. So I remember, I remember watching that. Um, mm. As a sort of, I don't know how old I was. I suppose a teenager. I suppose. Um, yeah. uh, and I remember Comic Relief starting, and um, you know, but we, I, I didn't really grow up in a in a arty family or a family that you know we probably went to the pantomime once a year um, <laughs> yes. my parents didn't listen to music particularly uh we didn't go out mm-hmm. you know to the theater and right. and things but if i'm honest when i was uh when i was well when i was 13 i promoted my first mm-hmm. music gig um yes because my friends and i were really bored where we were living and there was nothing to do so i thought i'd put on a gig so i suppose throughout my teenage years music was was my thing really more than comedy um Mm. and when i came to leicester i did uh so i moved to leicester in 1991 i think it was and um Mm -hmm. i then did start to see some comedy i remember seeing linda smith at the old phoenix art center and i saw lee evans at the old phoenix yeah um and i think there was a comedy network club night at the student union which i worked behind the bar at the student union so i would have seen stuff there but it wasn't like i was you know growing up a massive comedy fan no is the short answer to your question yeah (laughs) that's interesting when you talk about being a teenager promote wanting to promote Rather than perform, most teenagers want to be in a band. Ah, well, I did perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't often admit to it, but I was Joseph in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream. <laughs> uh, so I did, I did perform, but then, and this is, I think this is honestly what happened. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got pretty terrible eyesight and, um, when I was, I think when I was about 10 or 11, I think, mm-hmm. I started to, I had an eye test and and they discovered that I couldn't see very much. And so I started to wear glasses. When right. I started to wear glasses, being on stage was a terrifying thing because I could suddenly see people. <laughs> Before I couldn't, I couldn't see anything. 
So I had no, I think I was sort of more fearless, I suppose. But as soon as I started to wear glasses, I could see the audience. And that made me really terrified. So I stopped (laughs) performing. And I did play the piano badly. And I did play the guitar even more badly. Um, (laughs) So no, I I wasn't destined to be on the stage. Uh, 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 That was something I learned quite quickly. Uh, It wasn't going to happen. So when you went into university or, or towards the end of this, this is a course that I, I can't believe even existed at the time. And I'm just, even today, to be honest, it was arts administration. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I have a degree. Mm-hmm. I have a BA honours degree in performing arts. Right. Open brackets. Arts administration, closed brackets. <laughs> so you could study, you could choose whether you specialised in art. I mean, arts admin is a terrible name for what we did. Uh, arts admin, music, drama, or dance. Right. Well, we've already established. I'm certainly not a musician, and I'm not an actor, and unless I've had lots to drink, I'm not a dancer either. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what my degree is in. Mm. It's now called something. It's called something better now, like festivals and arts management or something like that. Right. That sounds a lot more credible than arts administration. Sounds less spreadsheety and more yeah, exactly. sort of managerial, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Explain to me then what, what came out of that and how did the uh, the festival start? So um, uh, the course uh, in those days, mm. I was doing a degree, a, a thing called Leicester Polytechnic, which no longer exists because it became Demorphic University. Right. Um, but I guess because it was a polytechnic degree it was very um practical you know we did loads of placements and uh yeah i think it was probably called work experience um uh free labor for companies yeah. who accepted students <laughs> um but it was brilliant i met i met loads of people who kind of did what i wanted to do as a job um right. and in our second in the last term of our second year our lecturers came to us and said in your final year, you have to put on a practical project. Yeah, that was in 1993, and as we've already established, I and a, a lot of the other people on the course were big music fans. Mm-hmm. We read NME every week; it was our bible. Yes, New Musical Express, and yeah. um, they were talking about stand-up. They famously had Rob Newman and David Deal on the cover, yes. and that caused a bit of an outcry at the time because Enemy was a music magazine. Yeah. What are you doing putting these comedians on? I mean, it sounds weird now, but that's how I remember it. Was it Enemy that coined the phrase, um, comedy is the new rock and roll? Yeah. With Newman and Badil, because that was 93, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I believe so. So, um, yeah, so they started to talk. They were talking about Sean Hughes. I remember Sean Hughes being talked about quite a lot. Um, right. And so somebody said, and it wasn't me, but somebody in our group at university said, well, why don't we put on a comedy festival? Mm. And um, we didn't know any comedians. We'd not really seen, I mean, I'd seen a few, but it wasn't like we were big comedy um, experts or anything. Right. It sounded really cool and exciting. And it sounded like, you know, well, why not? Yeah. Um, so we we said, yes, we were going to put on a Leicester's first comedy festival. And that, that happened in February 94 was the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone just suggesting it. Was there no, once the idea was planted in their head, was there anything that in sort of inspired you further apart from uh, Newman and Badia? Was there any sort of thing? Obviously, you said you didn't have the connections. So what, how did you think that that was something you could pick up and run with? Well, I suppose we 
we got an awful lot of support from uh, so the the course had a very very close link with the old Phoenix Art Center in Leicester right and um the director at the time was a guy called Richard Haswell and he'd started uh around about the same time as we decided to do a comedy festival right and he'd been he'd worked in Bury at a venue called the Met mm-hmm. which um before he came to Leicester and it, that had a massive comedy reputation um so he knew, he certainly knew more than we did about comedy. Right. And then the, the guy who ran the Y Theatre at the time, a guy called Ian Stevens, um, he knew a bit about comedy because the Y was hosting a regular comedy club called And Why Not Okay. in those days mm-hmm. with a promoter called Nicola Ward. Um, and so we saw, we formed this... I think it was probably called our advisory board um, and uh, those people were on it um, and people thought it was a really good idea. I mean, the city council thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. The, the university thought it was, the local newspaper thought it was. Um, and I, I'd lived in London for a year before I came to Leicester working with a band, mm-hmm. a music band. And um, there was a couple of people who were involved in the band who'd started to do comedy on television. Right. Um, one woman in particular called Sandy. And so she was sort of, you know, very vaguely really working in comedy. So I rang (laughs) Sandy up and said, tell me everything I need to know about live comedy. Um, (laughs) um, And one of the things she told me was you need to come down to London to a comedy club called the Red Rose Comedy Club, which was on Seven Sisters Road in Finsbury Park, mm-hmm. um, if anybody knows it. Um, and so we all went down. She got us free tickets, and we saw the Rubber Bishops, which was Bill Bailey's mm-hmm. double act, um, and, and whoever else was on. I can't remember who else, who else was on. But um, So we sort of – but I think we sort of put the bones of the festival together. But I think uh, I was always really – I suppose – I was excited about the idea of doing a festival yeah. as I was about doing the comedy bit. Right. So the idea of putting on, you know, and I think that is one thing that I've tried to do over the years is to try and make it festive and exciting. Yeah. Um, it isn't just a collection of shows that would normally happen. It's somehow bigger than that. Yeah. Um, so I was excited about the comedy bit. Don't get me wrong, but I was always also excited about the idea of putting on a, a festival. Um, and so uh, that kind of got us excited. And yeah. so we talked to a few people and then when we got patrons um, very early on, somebody, I don't know whether it was me or somebody else, but somebody decided that because nobody knew who we were right. in those days, uh, he would fax a lot of people. Yeah. He would send faxes. <laughs> and so we had a letterhead and we knew, I mean, this sounds ridiculous. I do understand that. <laughs> We knew that when we sent a fax, the fax would come out of your fax machine with the logo at the top. And and it would just be Leicester Comedy Festival and people would have no idea what that was. But if underneath the logo it said we had Norman Wisdom and Tony Slattery as our patron, that might make people go, oh, that's interesting, and read it. So we got Norman Wisdom and Tony Slattery to be the patrons of the festival. And... um, uh, and then, and then we just started putting it together. I suppose. I'm fascinated by that conversation. How, how do you talk to Norman Wisdom and Tony Slattery and say, "Hey, this festival that 
basically doesn't exist. Do you want to be, will you patronise it? Well, um, of course, you know, this was 93. Mm. Um, um, we we had yet to discover the internet. Um, yeah. So uh, we wanted the festival to be as diverse as possible. Mm. We were a bunch of students reading the NME. Yeah. I think the general perception was that the festival would be for young students. It would be probably rude, full of alcohol, late night, right. you know, the typical stereotypical comedy view. Yeah. So um, we didn't want the festival just to be about that. We wanted it to be more diverse than that. So mm-hmm. uh, Norman Wisdom, we thought should would be a great person to invite to be a, a festival patron. And I went to the university library and there were directories on the shelves of artists and performers mm-hmm. and you could look up Norman Wisdom <laughs> and you know his manager was a guy called Johnny Manns with his address and uh and I wrote I wrote a letter to Norman Wisdom and he replied and <laughs> said thank you very much for asking me to be a patron of your festival I'd love to be um which was kind of weird I mean it's extraordinary really that mm. that would happen and then yeah. Tony Slattery when I when I lived in London for a year with the band mm. before I came to Leicester one of the band members, one of the things Jim used to say quite a lot was it was really weird because when he would put his milk bottles out at night and the rubbish, <laughs> he would turn to the side and Tony Slattery would be doing the same thing because he lived next door to Jim. Mm. So I knew Jim's address and therefore I knew Tony Slattery's address. So I wrote, and, and you know, Tony Slattery, well, I think people forget <laughs> he was so famous in 1993. Yes. He was, he was mega famous. Mm. Um, and he he didn't write back, but he did ring my student house and my uh, student friend, Sal, answered the phone and shouted upstairs and said, it's the phone. And I said, who is it? And she said, "It well, it, he says it's Tony Slattery, but that's a bit weird, Tony Slattery. I mean, it would be like Michael McIntyre or Peter Kay or somebody yeah. phoning up a student house. And, and then we went down to London and we met Tony. We got unbelievably drunk. <laughs> um, and then he said he'd be a patron of the festival i mean there was a lot of people sometimes say oh you were really you clearly had a a vision and a a a clear idea of what you were doing we had no idea what we were doing um we just sort of made it up as we went along but the patrons things they were very helpful to us yeah saying you don't know you didn't have a clear idea what you were doing but you must have had an, a vision for the outcome of what you wanted to, to achieve because you said there that um, you didn't want it just to be a, a student-y, a, you know, a drunken, bawdy event. I'm assuming for the purpose of the first festival, you didn't predict uh, repeated outings of it. You were looking for that one that you had directly in front of you. So what did you envision for that festival? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, there was no, no sense whatsoever that it would carry on. Uh, it was a student thing we were going to do in our final year mm. part of our academic studies and then we'd all move on and get properties yeah um i think it sounds a bit of a cliche but it's true i think i think i think my mantra with the festival has nearly always been everybody laughs at something um it doesn't matter how old mm. you are what your background is where you're from anything everybody laughs at something and our job is to cram as many of those things into 19 days as possible and call it Leicester Comedy Festival so if you start from that Mm. premise um you know some of the some of the non-stand-up-y things that we've done over the years um become obvious I suppose you know until 
until a few years ago um when my grandmother passed away uh my grand my parents my nieces and nephews would all come to something in Leicester comedy festival yeah because they could find something that was attractive to them and um so this idea that it was a sort of celebration of british comedy mm. emerged and um i quite like that yeah as a sort of thing i suppose so uh but it yeah, it was, and also, you know, somebody pointed out to me this year in the festival, which was our thirtieth anniversary. Yes, that the other reason we did this, and and I'll, you know, it's it's really obvious, was to get funding. You know, the Arts Council gave us funding in the first few years, and mm. the City Council gave us funding in the first few years. They wouldn't have done that if it had just been stand up, right? They they they, you know, in the in those early, it's changed a little bit since then. City Council's money doesn't have many strings attached to it, mm. um, and the Arts Council don't fund us anymore. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was it was partly to try and get grants, um, yeah. and it was also partly because. I think we believed in it. I think we thought that thing about everybody laughing at something and our job is to cram as many of those things as possible into the festival was important to us. We didn't just do it for money. Yeah. So you mentioned there, um, this has been the 30th anniversary, 30 years of the Leicester Comedy Festival. Um, and you said about it being more than just stand up. So what are some of the things that make Leicester Comedy Festival unique among festivals? What is its, uh, what's its USP? Um, there's a there's a sister kids festival called the UK Kids Comedy Festival, which we set up five years ago. Yes. Um, on a bit of a whim, really. We just, when I say we, I think I decided, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's it's gaining momentum mm-hmm. every year, and 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 it's something I think I'm really proud of. Um, there's things like the UK Pun Championship, so sort of. We sometimes internally, traditionally, we called them special events, but we had to be really careful who we admitted that to because that implies that the other things are not special. And then we get into trouble <laughs> from the media and saying, well, am I not special enough then? Um, you, you know what I mean. I mean, it, you know. Yeah. So we do the gala show, we do the punch ups, we do the Leicester Mercury Communion of the Year, we do Silver Stand Up. Yeah. Um, we do a thing called Beyond a Joke, which yeah. is a series of um, discussion panel discussions about different topics and comedy. Um, I mean, I think now um, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's kind of got an open access feel to it like the fringe does. So mm. no one person books everything. That would be madness. Um, and, and the fact that new and emerging comedians come and shock horror get audiences um, is I think kind of makes it distinctive. That was never the case when we first started doing that. I mean, in the first few years, we couldn't have anybody on the festival that hadn't been on TV or radio because they would, no one would go and see them. Um, But now I think there is a real audience for people and, you know, the awards, the awards process helps with that because yeah. people get nominated and so so i think i think we have managed to evolve and develop the festival um into something now that well i mean i'm standing back so i don't have to worry <laughs> about the future but if, hopefully if, you know we'll continue to be relevant and and comedians travel from all over the uk if not further afield yeah. and audiences do and I think there's a real sense of 
excitement and it isn't it isn't the edinburgh fringe you know mm. and and it, and it never will be and it was never supposed to be mm. but it does it feels a bit more like that than than some other festivals that's only because of the scale of it right. you know that's that, that, that's why it feels like that yeah so after 30 years and as you say you're sort of stepping back now mm. naturally you'll have looked back in your mind over the last 30 years what um, standout points have there been what individual moments have really struck you about uh, being a part of the festival if not being the festival well i guess i guess you want me to focus on positive standout moments rather than negative standout <laughs> well i'm assuming the positive ones were the ones that sprang to mind <laughs> well not necessarily <laughs> although if something if a, if a nightmare just flashed through your memory i'd be fascinated to hear what it was uh well there's, you know we've made mistakes <laughs> uh, over the years we've lost a lot of money over the years that's no secret um uh, it's always managed to work itself out in the end but yeah i kind of those those kind of i mean by far so I'll just talk a little bit about the low points. I mean, by far, the lowest points mm. have always been about money. Um, sure, you know, yeah. Sitting on, sitting, lots of people will recognise this, you know, sitting on the door of a comedy show and you've not got enough people in to cover the bills and you're and all you're doing is sitting there going, I've just lost 100, 200, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 pounds. Yeah. It's a really depressing um, you know, miserable thing to do. So, mm. I think standout moments. I think when we when we started to do the gala preview show, which we now do it to one for hall. Yeah, that was that was a real moment of oh oh my god. There's like fifteen hundred people <laughs> really like the festival at least. Yeah, you know, and they'll come and they'll pay money to come and see a lineup that they probably don't even know who's on because mm. um, we haven't told them, but. That was that was a thing. I mean, in terms of shows, mm. I remember seeing Sarah Millican's first hour long show. I remember seeing Johnny Vegas win the Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year. Mm. And that was an insanely <laughs> wonderful night. Um I remember seeing Jason Manford's um first hour long show, yeah. an old venue on Welford Road in Leicester, which no longer exists. Mm -hmm. Um I think from an entirely selfish point of view. One of the things that I started doing years ago was interviewing comedians um, yeah. on on stage before podcasts were even a thing. <laughs> um, I think it is the moment where I do sort of, it's the closest I ever get to pinching myself. Mm. When I'm about to go on stage with Ramesh Ranganathan or Joe Brand yeah. or and, you know any of the people that I've interviewed, mm. Jasper Carra, Alexi Sale, um, I do have to. I do sit there and go. This is just, how on earth did this happen? This this student project, which was not supposed to continue, <laughs> yeah. and here I am chatting to Alexi Sale, and people are watching. It's 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 a real, genuinely, it's a real like oh my god moment. Yeah. It's 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 bonkers. I don't really understand how we got to that point, yeah. and yet clearly <laughs> I've been involved. So I should have the answer. To that. Um, but you know, I, I I know I'm rambling, but there's 30 years to to, to kind of think about. Yeah. But and also some of the some of the community projects mm. that we've done. You know, when we when we go into schools or community groups or whatever, mm -hmm. and they get involved. In the, so it's the whole thing, really. It's the it's the breadth of the festival. It's a thing that I reflect on over and over and over again is 
why on earth are the NHS involved in our festivals, the Diocese of Leicester, schools, yeah. um, the shopping centre in Leicester. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it's a weird mixture of people who've joined the festival community, and I'm really proud of that. Yeah. You talk there about interviewing comedians. Is that something that you'd like to continue doing? Yeah, I mean, of course it is. Yeah. I'd love to. Uh, I, I, I've been really lucky because the last few years I, uh, I've been asked to to sort of do them in Leicester and then also do them at um, a festival that you will have never heard of uh, called Glastonbury Festival. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I. Uh, I interviewed Pam Ayres in Leicester and Glastonbury and Joe Brand yeah. at Leicester and Glastonbury. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love them. I love them. <laughs> um, and if I could do more of them in Leicester or Glastonbury, or if there's any other festival directors listening, I'm, <laughs> I'm very available. Um, yeah, I'd love to do more of them. And I think what I like, you know, what you're doing mm. with this podcast is great. But what I love about the interviews that I do is that they're not recorded and they're not for podcasts. They're just, I know I sound like I'm an old git, but they're in the <laughs> moment. And if you're not there, you don't get to hear them. And yeah. um, and I love that. And I think the comedians like it as well, because they can be completely unguarded about what they say. Yes. Because it's not going to go up online. Yeah. Plus they have an audience to perform to. Yeah. So that's always brings them out more, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's true. So I've been a volunteer at Leicester Comedy Festival for four years now, during which time I've seen about 250 shows. Wow. In those four years. During your time at the festival, did you still avidly go and see as many shows as you could? Did you see any shows? Did you have to be apart and aside from it? In the, in the festival in Leicester, you mean? Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I I mean, it's been a bit different over the last couple of years. Um since I sort of decided to leave, I suppose. But um, mm. before that, no, I mean, I, I didn't see hardly anything. I saw, I saw, I mean, it, I can absolutely remember not seeing anything all the way through. Um, <laughs> I would pop in and I'd enjoy it. I'd, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd like to see some shows all the way through. But also, I enjoyed going from venue to venue to venue and, yeah. um checking in inverted commas that everything was okay yeah. and you know in reality i probably didn't have to do that but um you know showing my face to people saying hello to comedians and promoters and other people hmm. um i i i said i think i said earlier on you know i like i like the buzziness of festivals yeah um and it will be very weird not working on leicester comedy festival which I assume for the foreseeable future will be in my home city. Mm. Um, I'll have to get that buzz from somewhere, some somewhere else because I won't be able to. I'm not going to work on it anymore, so I won't be able to do what I used to do. But mm. um, so no, saw so, so hardly anything. Um, I mean, you you know, people who volunteer for the festival. I mean, that's 250 shows in four years is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I can't compete with that at all. I don't even. I've been really lucky to be on the Edinburgh Comedy Awards panel mm -hmm. a few times. I don't even think I saw that number in Edinburgh. Oh, maybe I did actually. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. <laughs> um, but no, never, never, never saw a lot really. Yeah. With the advent of um, streaming services and all things technology, and of course in 2021 the festival was exclusively online. 
how did you feel about uh, Leicester going global? <laughs> um, I think if we, you know, before COVID, yes, I think within live comedy world, there was quite a lot of negativity about videoing and streaming things. Yes, I mean, I remember because I'm I've been doing it for so long, but I remember when people were really sniffy if Ak sent a link to YouTube to show a producer or a promoter a show that they'd done in order to get work. And it was like, but I have to see you live. I can't possibly watch it on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a real thing for a long time was mm. some people would book shows that they saw on YouTube, but a lot of people wouldn't. Mm. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So, um, uh, so yeah. the other thing is I've always been adamant that Leicester Comedy Festival should be a live festival. There are other festivals, yeah. which maybe maybe I won't name, but <laughs> there are other festivals which are sort of, they're produced for TV and they have an audience, a live audience there, but actually it's produced for television. Right. And, I, and I'm not a fan of those. I hate them because you have to keep stopping and retaking things and there's cameras everywhere and all that. So I wanted Leicester Comedy Festival to be a live festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID happened and then we had no choice really but to start streaming things because everybody else started doing it. And then it suddenly seemed to be okay to do that. Yeah. Um, nobody was sniffing about it. Um, and I'm not uh, of a age or generation um I don't really watch a lot of stuff online. So for me personally, Hmm. um, the idea of watching comedy online, even now, live comedy I'm talking about, um, even now is like, I I can't remember the last time I sat at home one evening and thought, oh, I know, I'll go onto one of the streaming platforms and watch watch a show. Um, However, Mm -hmm. all of that, um, it was really cool that, that the festival in 21 happened online and suddenly our audience was, was, was global. Yeah. And did you remember that? Do you remember that guy from New Zealand who used to watch stuff in 21? There was um, one guy and, and he would watch it on, um, online. I can't, and, and he'd be walking around Wellington Harbour in New Zealand in the beautiful <laughs> sunshine. And we'd be telling Leicester or wherever we were freezing yeah. cold. Um, and this, and this chap was kind of yeah, it was it was it was really odd, um, but he was on lots of shows. He watched a lot of shows, and we could see him, and, right? Yeah, yeah. Know, and all that. It was on Zoom, I suppose it was. Mm. But um, so I, I think I can, and I completely also understand that for some people it makes the festival much more accessible because maybe yeah. they can't get to shows, mm-hmm. maybe they can't. I think Leicester is a pretty affordable festival to come to, but if you can't afford to take time off work or. Mm you know, stay in a hotel or whatever, stay with mates or whatever, then you can enjoy it at home. It's a good thing, I think, but it doesn't, it's not a patch on, I don't think, personally, on the live festival. Yeah. Um, But I do also understand, as I say, I'm old and therefore, you know, young people, (laughs) younger people than me want to experience stuff online, don't they? Yeah. So after 30 years, now that you're stepping back, um, obviously you've got quite the legacy to leave behind. Um, what is it that satisfies you at this point letting go or being a, in a position to 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 let go of the reins? Well, I think, um, I mean, I, I've not been directly responsible 
at all really for appointing the people who are taking over. Right. Um, but uh, I know um, I did. I did say this to somebody the other day. There are sort of two people taking over from me. <laughs> at which point the person said, "Oh, so you, what you're saying, Jeff, is you were doing two two people's jobs <laughs> when you were just." Um, which I suppose in some ways I was, but um, there are two people taking it on, I suppose, as the senior management team. Um, and they're brilliant. They're abs- uh, they're brilliant people. And, um, and so that is, that is genuinely satisfying because I think um, they and the rest of the team will come up with their own ideas and will take it in their own direction and where they want it to be. And, that's right and proper, you know, it can't, they can't just replicate what Jeff would have done um, for another 30 years. Cause that's not, that's not right. And maybe mm. it needs to go in a direction that I wouldn't like or choose, you know, the online thing, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So I am, I am, I think, I think you used the word satisfied. I am satisfied mm-hmm. that it is in safe hands. That hasn't always been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it is now, and I, and yeah. I think I'm, I'm very that is satisfying. Yeah. And I think also the other thing that happened during COVID, um, during lockdown was I would be sat in this office at, at home, tapping away on my laptop, yeah. and when it first started, but also as time went on. I did sit here and think to myself, I don't know whether anybody cares about Leicester Comedy Festival. I mean, I know people <laughs> tell me they do, but when things were so bleak in terms of COVID and, and, and life looked so awful, really? You're telling me that a comedy festival in Leicester is, you know, uppermost in people's minds? And then what happened <laughs> was people started to tell me that it was important and all sorts of people, famous people, famous comedians, other people, the industry, mm. the community, um, would contact me and go, I well, and they'd either say, you are going to keep doing it, aren't you? Or nearly every single person yeah. would say, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah. Um, so obviously if they were famous, well-known comedians, the answer is yes, you could do a benefit show for us or you could do a Q&A online and we could show it and yeah. sell tickets for it. And, you know, um, so the other thing that is satisfying, which I honestly think five years ago wouldn't have been the case, mm. is I think absolutely people see a value in Leicester Comedy Festival and think it's important. It's not the most important thing in the world, you know, health and and happiness and stuff is yeah. is important, but yeah. um, uh, but I think um, I think what I now reflect on is the fact that can I swear? Yeah, knock yourself out. People give a shit. <laughs> yeah. um, people people give a shit about it, and I think that's that gave me kind of confidence, I suppose, that I could go. Mm. Um, that's all to do with leaving it in safe hands, I suppose. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And in fact, okay, um, what you were saying there about people giving a shit, um, I've spoken to comedians and I spoke to a comedian last night, in fact, about about this, this on this subject, about whether people would give a damn about any festival. And I think the consensus that I've received is that Edinburgh, it is an arts festival. It includes a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy. It's the biggest festival in, in the world, arts festival in the world. The industry is there. So 
the comedians go to Edinburgh because you kind of have to, because that's where the industry is. But if the festival that they want to go to, the festival that they enjoy doing, is the Leicester Festival. Now, if that's what the comedians are saying, there's a lot. There's definitely a lot to be said for it. You know, that's that's the comedians' festival. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I find it really hard. I've said this to people before. Mm. I find it really hard to reflect on that because it's been part of my. It's been the. Has it been the most important? It's been the most dominant thing sure. in my life for thirty years. Yeah. Um, so measuring, I can be proud and satisfied of the scale of it. I can be proud and satisfied of, you know, the the people who take it on, all of that. Yeah. But but figuring out the the sort of the scale of it and the impact is is. is I'm not being modest about it. It's genuinely difficult for me to figure it out because. Yeah. It's just what I've done, Mark. I've just done this thing for so long. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, people like you say what you've just said and other people say nice things about it and everything, it's just it's just weird. Yeah. Because the student project that I set up with other people in 1994 is, is still going. And, what it, you know, it's just odd. I find it very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So the awards then in 2023... Lifetime contribution to Leicester Comedy Festival. I mean, it couldn't be put any other way, <laughs> could it, really? Well, it's, yeah. it's not a complete lifetime yet. I'm sure you'll be getting phone call after phone call um, in, in the coming years. But um, a rightly deserved standing ovation. How did you feel when your name was called out? You could have, you oh, have to have expected it, surely. No, I didn't. I, the complete opposite. I, I, I didn't. Normally at those things, I know... Um, everything that's going to happen because I'm the director of the festival and yeah. we have meetings and we plan it. And I know, you know, members of the awards panel don't know who've won probably, I hope, but yeah. I, do. <laughs> um, I know who all the winners are and I've, and I've planned it all this year because I was leaving. Uh, I knew, well, I thought I knew two winners. I knew the legend of comedy a win winner. Yeah. Um, and I was involved in a conversation where the team were talking about who was going to win the Lifetime Contribution Award. And no, I I, I didn't know at all. And then I sat there and uh, Charlotte, the new festivals and programme director, got up and um, started talking about me. And I mean, it didn't take me very long to realise what on earth was going <laughs> But it was very nice. And um, it, it was it was a very odd week. Uh, because I had that on the Monday. Mm. Oh, I had a leave. What we? I had a lunch with the team on the Friday. Monday night was the awards thing. Yeah. Wednesday night, um, I did a show. Not I didn't perform in a show, but I booked a show, a leaving show for friends and stuff. Yeah. And that was that was great. Um, and there was a few other things about my leaving do. So I sort of I did have a. Some people said I had a longer leaving do than Elton John, but, um, <laughs> but it was lovely. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I've won a few awards in my time, um, and I, uh, you know, I got a medal from the Queen. I got all, and I'm not, I'm not saying these things to show off, but they are really nice yeah. things to happen. Yeah, um, I don't really care about the honours system and all of that. But when you get a letter from Buckingham Palace through your letterbox, yeah, 
and it says the Queen wants to give you a British Empire medal, and when you come to Buckingham Palace, the only way I can describe it is it's really nice, and the Lifetime Contribution Award from Leicester Comedy Festival was just a lovely way for the team to, I suppose, say thank you. Yeah. All of you lot in the audience got up and stood up. I mean, it's 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 really nice. Yeah. Um, and I was very grateful for yeah. it. So what now? What's next for you? Uh, I genuinely don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I The reason why I left was because, um, and it still feels a bit weird saying I've left because yeah. I've been saying I'm leaving for such a long time. But um, <laughs> I, I kind of, I always felt like I wanted to do something else. And, um, and I promised myself and my partner that I wouldn't do it forever. And it feels like 30 years is forever. <laughs> um, and the safe hands thing is important. You yeah. know, I didn't want to leave it when it was going to fall over um, because I think it's good enough to survive. Um, so, so therefore, if you want to do something different, mm-hmm. normally most people would have a burning desire to become a gardener or a plumber or a carpenter or a potter or something else. Mm-hmm. I don't have any burning desire to do anything else at all at the moment. Yeah. So um, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I suspect uh, I'll probably do some more comedy-related things, partly because that's the that's who I know. Yes, yeah. you know that's the world I know of, but. If anybody listening to this or or you know, how do you suddenly reinvent yourself when you're 51, having done something for 30 years, um, <laughs> and come up with an alternative when you have no idea what that's going to be? Yeah, please tell me, um, because <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I just, I, I kind of figure there's 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 something else out there that yeah. um, I would enjoy and get satisfaction from, but yeah, um, yeah, I'll just wait and see. Um, mm. I'm not going to set up another festival. That's what I'm not. <laughs> no <do>. music festival. Um, <laughs> well, there may be a music festival. Um, a couple of people have asked me, "Am I going to go and work for Nottingham Comedy Festival?" I think that's highly unlikely. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, something, something. I, I would like to do something which is less um, all-consuming. Mm. Um, I doing the festival has been brilliant for 30 years don't get me wrong yeah. i've loved a lot of it i haven't loved all of it but i've loved a lot of it um but it has in my head it's been there for all the time yeah um and the best thing about the last year or so since i decided to go and since i told people i was going mm. is i don't think about it 24 hours a day um <laughs> And that's that is nice. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to think about something, something else would be good. Yeah. So I spent thirty-five years in the retail industry, and at fifty last year, I retired and decided to reinvent myself. So I started a podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> will there be a Jeff Rowe, Jeff Rowe's uh, comedy memories podcast on the horizon, perhaps, or a book in the works? Well, people keep asking me about a book. I just yeah. I just a I don't know whether I'm smart enough to write it, and b <laughs> although that doesn't stop Prince Harry. Well, there it? you go. Um, uh, but also, I don't, I'm not convinced there's a lot of people that would want to read it. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I, it's only been 
Well, it's been, uh, we're recording this on the 6th of April, so it's been six days yes. since I've technically left. Yeah. Um, I'm going to allow myself slightly longer to <laughs> May, maybe the 8th, maybe the 8th of April, yeah. uh, and then I'll force myself to decide. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I've got a record of almost, and it's an incomplete list, but a record of almost every gig going back to when I saw Little and Large in 1979. Wow. Um, and Basil Brush. I saw Basil Brush in 1979, and then I saw him uh, at Edinburgh in 2019, 40 years later. Wow. I mean, I'm assuming it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it, but it's moments, it's memories like that. I, you might remember last week when I saw you, and I wanted to catch Arthur Smith before he left because... And it wasn't about, oh, I saw you at this and I saw you at that. It was about the moments. And that moment at uh, Cambridge in 2021, when there was an absolute downpour and we were in an amphitheatre and he just invited the audience up onto the stage out of the rain. And we all just sang hallelujah. And it was just, I said, that's a moment in time that yeah. you could predict and you, you can't recapture. Yeah, yeah. And just sharing that was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'd like uh, that list sounds fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the I didn't talk about it because I, I don't know whether it's just a pipe dream or not, really. But one, if I could do one thing, if I won the lottery tomorrow, mm. I would properly start to archive British comedy um, uh, because no one's really doing it, mm. and um, mm. there are. I mean, the stuff Andy Hollingworth does with his photography stuff is amazing, and yeah. there is the Comedy Museum in London, and. Ollie Double yeah. does bits in Kent, and so there are bits. Um, yeah, but I think you, you, your list. Other people have got lists. Um, mm. Other people have got boxes of tickets um, yeah. when tickets were a thing. And yeah, if, if I could do anything, I would somehow um, start to bring all this stuff together somewhere, probably digitally. But um, that's what I'd love to do because I've got all sorts of shit in the festival archive and in the loft. Um, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. And I think it deserves to be preserved. Um, yeah. Somehow. Um, is there any worthy cause? Is there anything you want to say about the Leicester Festival? Well, I, I have absolutely nothing to promote anymore. So uh, <laughs> it was a bit peculiar. Yet. You have nothing yet. Yet. That's true. You can. Um, if you haven't, or I'm trying to find a copy of it, but I don't think I have one here. But you can, um, and it doesn't matter anyway because people can't see. But um, <laughs> we published a book a couple of years ago called All Puns Blazing, yes. um, which is a pun joke book, which um, a publisher called Penguin Books asked us to put together. Um, and um, people can buy that and support the festival. Yeah. I think I think people, the, the, maybe, maybe this is a good thing to end on, I don't know. Mm. I think people think, Leicester Comedy Festival and the UK Kids Comedy Festival perhaps mm. are bigger than they really are. Um, I think people think, uh, you know, you talked about earlier on about people's perception of Edinburgh and people's perception of Leicester. Yeah. And I would argue Edinburgh is a sim in a similar um, position to us, really, in that the only reason Leicester Comedy Festival keeps going is because there is a real dedicated team of people at the heart of it. Yeah. There's a real dedicated community of people around those people who support it, the awards panel, volunteers, sponsors, other people. Yeah. It only carries on because people support it. And um, so it isn't, it's run by a registered charity. It's not there to make a profit. And believe you me, it does not make a profit. <laughs> um, uh, I think people need to 
keep valuing it and supporting it um mm. and in, in whatever way they can so buy the joke book for somebody you like for christmas or something because the money will go to the festival mm-hmm. um buy tickets donate money uh like you have um get you know get up and volunteer and, and get get involved because if mm. it if it wasn't for you and other all the other people it wouldn't happen um yeah. and uh i think that's always been the balancing act for me you want it to be national high profile exciting famous people yeah we're on the one show we're in the guardian oh my god look at this thing yeah balancing that with the fact of oh we're money money and and we need to do stuff in order to generate money and um because people see one and not the other so i i think i don't know whether that's um, a good way to end or not but keep supporting the festivals and um because it it, they only they only happen because people people do it It, it's not yeah you know i think probably this you know amazon is probably the same uh social media twitter is only the same whatever you think about what's his name who owns twitter Hmm. he did buy it and he did keep it going you know um yeah so I think often people get confused about the showbiz side of the festivals and how we know famous people, yeah, um, which is great. Um, but we also need support. So support the festivals. Yeah, fantastic. So in line with the title of the podcast, I'll ask my final question, which is, Jeff, please sum up comedy in a nutshell. Well, uh, <laughs> it's how I've earned a kind of living for 30 years. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's true. Um I think comedy is the best way uh, for people to um, burst bubbles, whether that's controversial, controversials and inverted commas, Mm -hmm. um, topics, uncomfortable topics, Mm -hmm. um, authority, uh, each other. Um, I think, I think, I think that's probably what I would say is comedy is about exposing the absurdity of life and us and other people and um, just sort of reducing it. I don't say that lightly, reducing it to laughter and just going, it's just, uh, we can, we can laugh at everything and then we can cope with things a bit better. And um, so I think I'd say that uh, that's not quite, in a nutshell, but that's as, <laughs> that's it's, as it's brief as I'm going to be. <laughs> oh, fantastic, Jeff! It's been it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me on. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.